Hi, my name is Julian Chambliss. I'm a professor of English and History at Michigan State University, as well as a core faculty in the Critical Diversities in a Digital Age Initiative. I also serve on the Academics Committee for the Zorna Hurston Festival as one of the national planners for the event. I will be your host for this episode of Every Tongue's Got to Confess. The purpose of the podcast series is to explore issues facing communities of color globally by listening to the voices of attendees at the Zoya Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. Founded by the Association to Preserve Eatonville Community, the Zora Festival has an educational aim. Since its founding, the festival has celebrated the life and work of Zoya Hurston, commemorated the historic significance of Eatonville, Florida, and honored the global cultural contributions made by people of African ancestry. Every Tongue Got to Confess is a podcast designed to document the dynamic discussions about education, enterprise, institution, and activism intrinsic to the ideology that founded Eatonville and shaped its most famous daughter. This production is a joint project among the Association to Preserve Eatonville Community, Rollins College's Africa and African American Studies program, and the Department of History at the University of Central Florida. I'm Holly Baker, podcast producer with the University of Central Florida's History Department. Dr. Julian Chambliss and I produce Every Tongue Got to Confess podcasts to document the voices of the attendees of the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. I recently talked with Dr. Julian Chambliss about his new adventure at Michigan State University. Have a listen to our conversation. So I'm here with Dr. Julian Chambliss. Dr. Chambliss, um, I hear that you are exploring some new opportunities. Uh, Could you tell me about that? Right, for listeners for this podcast, if you listened to it before, of course, you know that I am professor of history at Rollins College. Um, but uh, this earlier in this year, uh, I accepted a position at Michigan State University in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, in the Department of English and also in the Department of History. I have a joint appointment. And I'm also uh, going to be a core faculty in Critical Diversities in a Digital Age Initiative, which is uh, a new initiative that they're starting at Michigan State University. Well, that sounds very exciting. We're going to miss you here in Orlando. <laughs> it's, it's been true, great yeah. getting to know you and working with you um, through the Zora Festival. And I know that we're going to continue working together, even though you're in Michigan. So, Right. So um, the podcast project, of course, is uh, something that I suggested as a part of the outreach that we were doing with the Africa and African American Studies Program at Rollins. And so, of course... I know Dr. Robert Castanello, who is sort of like our other sort of driving force behind the creation of the podcast. And I've been working very closely with uh, the Association to Preserve Email Community, which is an organization that puts on the Zora Festival. And um, also I'm on the Academics Committee for the Zora Festival, right? So there is a committee of academics who've been working for the last like about four years on bringing academic uh, forums and papers and activities to the Zora Festival, which has a history of this, but in recent years, they didn't have like a sort of like uh, established committee. And so uh, they established this committee in Wine of Theory, who's the executive director, asked us to participate in us as myself, uh, Dr. Scott French, Dr. Anna Lilios, who is in the Department of English at UCL, uh, Trent Tremingo, who is at Seminole State University, uh, Dr. Clarissa Ress-White, who is at um, Bethune-Cookman University. And we have a new member coming on, Dr. Robinson, who's at Spelman. And so this committee works on academic content, right? So there's actually an education day 
uh, a lot of people don't know uh, in the Zora Festival, the, 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 usually the Friday of that first week is the education day. And of course, uh, more more directly associated with the academic message is I work with, with the education committee and with the festival to create the communities conference. And so those panelists and those panels are a part of that whole educational endeavor, that educational narrative within the Zora and Hershey Festival. Which I think gets overshadowed, of course, by a broader cultural activities of the festival, right? The outdoor market, the shows. The festival is, is a really a week, more than a week, actually, if you think about it. The activity that's all across Central Florida. Um, but the things that are most iconic, of course, are the outdoor elements that were happening in Edenville. And that draws thousands of people to Edenville. And, and it's just like part of like a broader sort of like cultural moment in Central Florida. And so it's easy for education elements to get lost, but the education day brings school-age children and everything from elementary school up until junior high and high school uh, to the festival for certain kind of programs. And they have a very a big emphasis on STEM that the Association of Preserved Evil Community is involved with. So at some level, uh, when thinking about how to get the message out in a sort of contemporary moment uh, the idea of a podcast where we talk to some of these people who are giving papers about endeavors and uh, activities that they're doing often which they'll talk about how they're you know they see these things connected to uh Zoya hurston or eatonville and like the philosophy of, of the association community well you wouldn't really know that unless you sat down and, and and talk with them and when you're gonna have the opportunity to talk with them if you're not at the festival and so the podcast becomes a way to do that. But it's an endeavor. And that, of course, you know, fits very neatly within my own emphasis on digital humanities and digital history. So even though I'm going to Michigan State University, that same emphasis on digital humanities and digital uh, digital history is going to continue. I plan on coming down for the Zora Festival to do interviews and things like that. Um, so, and I know that Dr. Casanello is still going to be involved and I know that, that you're still going to be involved. Um, so it's, it's a big moment of transition, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity, uh, for me, you know, sort of personally and professionally, but I am going to really cold place and that is kind of scary, but. I was going to say, you're going to need a jacket <laughs> I mean, as, a, need, as a southerner. I need more than a jacket, <laughs> way more than a jacket. Yeah, uh, that's the big change. Another change for this coming season is that you'll hear my voice doing the intros. And that's part of the reason I'm doing this because I'm like, well, this is going to sound weird. I'm going to say I'm from the University of Michigan. And they're going to go, well, how is it that you're doing this voiceover? And, you know, people don't go back to the very first episode of anything if they <laughs> find it on the third season. I'm like, they just go with the third season, then they go back after they finish that. It'll be weird the whole time you're listening. Well, if you think about it, um, the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities is bigger than just the Orlando area. It and is, yeah, so it is, right. It's okay to, to go to Michigan <laughs> and still be involved with Storefest. We'll still care about you. And right. Our community still so, put, still still part of the Zora family. Exactly, um, and it's true. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting about the education component is how many people come from all over the country exactly. to sort of like participate. And you're like, oh, how did you even know? Well, I'm really inspired by Edenville and Zora Hurston, which is a very common refrain, of course, if you've been listening to any of the podcasts. That's a recurring theme. So yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing really odd about 
someone another part of the country sort of looking to uh, Eatonville. But of course, I think one of the things that uh, interests me as a person with a background in urban history and community development is that Eatonville is still a place, right? It's not. It's not like I feel like Zora Hurston uh, has given Eatonville a kind of Brigadoon effect, right? Like the Eatonville that people have in their mind is like it exists in the moment, kind of, sort of, way back when. And it's still a town today, right? Like, it's still a town, right? And so it still does what towns do. Like, it still has politics and people and development questions and all these other things. I'm like, well, that's actually really interesting. And as a small, black, majority black municipality, and it is really tiny, right? Like, it's really tiny. What does it represent in 2018 in a moment of really sort of drastic transformation sort of nationally around questions of race and power and what does it mean in terms of the like cultural spaces uh, that are attached to ethnic groups in the United States like how do those work and as a historic place and as a place that I uh, think of as part of the Tuskegee universe because the founder of the Hungerford School Hungerford Normal Industrial School, which was a boarding school for African Americans um, in the late 19th, early 20th century, early 20th century, is that, you know, this is a place that Booker T. Washington wrote about as an example of success for African Americans in the post Reconstruction South. And the philosophy of that town that is founded in the aftermath of the end of Reconstruction and clearly, you know, within its sort of like foundation narrative and foundation mythology uh, is a vision of like black people as sort of like autonomous, economically successful, independent. You know, what does that mean in a contemporary landscape of a global economy with a black diaspora that is something that African Americans are aware of, but also is facing this sort of like one would argue so sort of systemic, uh, conservative backlash, right? So. Looking at Eatonville as an example of the past, but also thinking about how is Eatonville going to move forward, it's a really important question, right? And that's part of the reason why uh, some of the conversations in season three have a little bit different tone because, like, this framework of trying to understand not just simply the past and what that represents, but also how that sort of past is informing a future. Right. This is one of the things that's really important and part of the reason why the podcast project as a sort of digital humanities project uh, is useful because like we talk to these people and we're able to sort of systemically go through in a kind of uh, a way and weave these sort of outside perspective and inside perspective because some of the voices in season three are in fact insiders, right? Like they're people who live there. These are people who have longer Longer tenures with uh, organizations and institutions that are more closely affiliated with the Zorna Hurston organization, like the Association of the Community. And so while, you know, previous seasons, the panelists have come from far and wide, I think one of the things that's a little bit different this season is that many people here have connections to institutions that either have these long connections to Eatonville and the PC or... They are sort of parallel institutions that have similar kinds of goals, like mission-wise, they're very associated with it, but um, the PC. And then you have residents, right, who have some role in terms of, like, institutions or they have endeavors that are sort of leveraging their placement in Eatonville. 
And of course, if you talk to anyone in Eatonville in uh, sort of contemporary landscape, I think this question of cultural tourism and what Eatonville will be in the future is something, especially if you're talking to the people in the PC, that comes up. Not surprisingly, the one of the major funder, like one of the grants that the organization gets for the festival is a tourism grant, uh, which makes perfect sense because if you go there, of course, you recognize that so many people are coming from someplace else to do it. So um, this is a great opportunity, as always, the, the podcast is a great opportunity to talk about those issues, but the podcast as a digital humanities project is a little bit of an academic question, right? Like this is an academic project, but podcasts are sort of phenomenon. And so therefore, when we talk about them in a sort of academic uh, framework, uh, we have to sort of get at what is the knowledge being created here. And the argument that I think we make behind the scenes is that what we're doing here is creating a new context to understand the festival and understand the organization that created the festival, um, which may itself be not the hugest uh, transformative uh, understanding, but I think an important one because that organization arguably grows out of a social cultural narrative that exists within Eatonville that we can trace back to its founding sort of ideology. That's one thing that as we move forward with the podcast and other projects that we are sort of spinning out of the podcast, become an important part of how we think about developing these sort of digital investigative modules that are podcasts or other kinds of things. So yeah, I'm I'm going away, but I'm still going to be involved and hopefully with the initiative that I'm involved with, Critical Diversity and Digital Age, some of the things I just talked about make a lot of sense, right? Like, what is that? Someone asked me, what does that mean? I'm like, well, I'm not 100% sure, but I think one of the things that we do have to ask about is, you know, what, what does diversity mean in the digital, a digital age? Is it the sort of loss of identity that we might associate with, you know, an early digital age, you know, avatars allow anyone to be anyone, but increasingly in a social media age, you are this person digitally and you face all the problems associated with that, right? Like this is why I question around like things like harassment happen digitally. Like, you know, it was primarily a sort of male white space and now you have non-males and non-white people there. And there's a small percentage, I would always argue when we think about really horrible people, they're not everybody. They're a small percentage. Um, but they're very vocal because, like, they can use the tools to harass people. Um, and the reason for the harassment often intersects with identity, but it intersects with questions of power, right? Like, who gets to decide about what happens? And so at some level, telling stories that spotlight black experience or a global black diaspora and intersections around that via gender, class, so on and so forth, institution. That's a critical narrative in a digital age that, you know, intersects with this question of diversity. So as I think about what we're supposed to be doing in my new job, I at least hope that some of the stuff that we did in my old job <laughs> is, is going to translate. So yeah, so that's around still but yeah not the same title which will become important as you continue listening this season so all right well listeners stay tuned do you hear about dr julian chambliss's new adventure in michigan 
and we'll miss you here, but we know you'll still be around. Anyway. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be virtually in touch. Exactly. And then exactly. sometimes you'll see me. Right? Exactly. I'll pop up. Exactly. You'll still be around. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Dr. Chamberlain. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Every Time Got to Confess podcast. Holly Baker and I produced this podcast with support from the UCF Department of History and the African African American Studies Program at Rollins College. Be sure to find the rest of the episodes by searching for us online and subscribing to us on iTunes. Thank you.